Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, U.S. Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by our senior analyst, Pulitzer Prize finalist, John Brennan. And John, I want you to set a line for me. The Buffalo Bills play at Minnesota this Sunday at 1 o'clock Eastern. Please set an over-under line for how many Bills players will have announced their retirement by 2.30 in the afternoon. <laughs> hmm, uh, I'd say one more for each touchdown scored against them in the first half. But uh, <laughs> also bet the, bet the under on the second half with in-play betting. Uh, I noticed this team fights in the second half, at least. Interesting. Okay. But, uh, but first half touchdowns dictate the number of Bills players who retire, so the line should be somewhere around, around five. I'll say three. <laughs> okay. All right. And promise me that you won't retire uh, in the middle of this podcast. Uh, that you're, you're not going to pull that move on me, are you? I, I promise. If my heart gives in, it gives out. It doesn't give out. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks to everybody out there for joining us for episode number seven of Gamble On. If you aren't subscribed yet, you can do so on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. That way you'll never miss an episode. And you can also find us on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash Podcast. All right, Eric. Later in the show, we're going to be joined by former New Jersey State Senator Ray Lesniak. Uh, he was a key figure, of course, in the fight to legalize sports betting in New Jersey uh, with a national implication uh, that we're seeing every day. Uh, but we have a couple of segments to get to first. So let's start the show. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week, an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling. We have three stories to discuss this week, and we start with a big one, a controversial one, uh, a story that we could probably spend a full podcast analyzing. Um, On Sunday, a better at FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, New Jersey, took advantage of an erroneous line, a computer glitch, essentially, that made the Broncos 750 to one underdogs late in the game when, in fact, they were supposed to be minus 600 favorites. Uh, The better, Anthony Prince, jumped on the posted line. He bet $110 to win $82,000, and the sportsbook refused to pay him, citing rules that state when there's a line that's posted in obvious error like this, the bets don't count. Uh, In other parts of the world where sports betting has been legal for a while, this is common knowledge. In the U.S., it's all brand new. A lot of people were up in arms. Headlines portrayed it as this guy getting ripped off, etc. John, how do you feel situations like this should be handled? Uh, And is the issue here mostly just a matter of educating the American public so they understand that when odds are way too good to be true, there's no advantage to pouncing on them? Well, you know, I understand the the legal caveat that FanDuel has, and and they do have that right. But I also agree that this is a terrible optic. You know, Mm. uh, sportsbooks have been very aggressive in New Jersey with in-play betting, uh, maybe too aggressive, uh, particularly given their level of experience. And I know Division of Gaming Enforcement Director David Rebuck well enough to be able to confidently speculate that he is pissed, frankly. Um, (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised if he invokes some sort of discipline or at least a scolding, a public scolding. Uh, he's been very successful on a national scale in implementation of online casino gaming from five years ago. And, you know, frankly, he expects no less uh, in, in sports betting, and he's not going to uh, take this lightly. Yeah, you talked about the optics. Uh, I think there's no doubt that, that FanDuel and their public relations division dropped the ball here. Uh, they, they needed to get out ahead of this better, um, you know, show what the exact rule was. Um, you know, before damaging stories could come out, they need to be making clear that, hey, this stuff happens. Uh, the bet is voided. We tried to make 
uh, good with a very generous offer. Uh, in this case, it was they offered $500 plus Giants tickets, although I'm not sure anyone wants Giants tickets right now. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think FanDuel PR was reactive instead of proactive, and that was a big mistake here. It's bad for the whole industry, especially with a federal hearing on sports betting on deck. Uh, you know, there are opportunistic politicians who will surely jump on this. Um, just, uh, yeah, not, not handled well, and that, that word you pointed out, optics uh, is is key here. Yes. Yeah, so if that hearing takes place in Congress next week, this will be mentioned in the first five minutes by opponents. I mean, it, it's uh, it's uh, handing it over on a golden uh, silver platter, golden platter, you name it, a platter. <laughs> and um, I, I almost I don't want to say that uh, it's it's bad for the hearing to even held at this time. But I'm tempted to say that because it's uh, it's a layup for the opponents. Yeah. Yeah. I'm concerned about that, too. Um, and the the whole situation is is tricky just this idea of glitchy odds it's tricky because if the better loses you know if the broncos don't uh, don't manage to win that game is FanDuel making a point to refund his money? You know, with, with things uh, all digital on mobile sports books, uh, it should be easy that the, the bet would just automatically refund in a situation like this. But live and in person, you get your ticket, the Broncos lose, you rip up your ticket, and it's a free roll for the house. You don't want either side gaming the system, and uh, that's what we have when, when there's a glitch like this. Well, that's exactly right. I think if it's clarified that, look, as soon as it's understood that the the odds were obviously an error, then the bet is voided. So make it clear that you can't win and you can't lose. You didn't play. And, right. it's, and if, if that's not clear at the moment. So that's another example of the optics. Right. All right. Hopefully this is not a story that we're going to have to keep coming back to week after week. Uh, for, the, for the good of the industry, it would be nice if this kind of goes away. But I have a feeling, especially with that hearing on tap, we may be touching on this story again. Agreed. In the meantime, we'll move on to story number two. Uh, I wrote on Tuesday morning about New Jersey Devils president Hugh Weber saying he expects the team to make an extra $5 million this upcoming season thanks to sports betting being legal in the state uh, and therefore sponsorship deals coming the Devils' way. And mere hours later, news broke that the Las Vegas Golden Knights have inked a partnership with William Hill. Uh, it's a multi-year deal, and it will include in-arena signage and updated league-wide odds displayed on the video board during intermissions at T-Mobile Arena. So a lot of news all of a sudden on the hockey and gambling intermingling front. Uh, John, should we brace for NHL teams to be competing for the DraftKings Sportsbook Stanley Cup in a couple of years? I, I wouldn't I wouldn't rule it out at the NHL. I, I suspect that they're going to be more forceful than a lot of other sports leagues. You know, I covered the league for a number of years and, and uh, they don't get that much attention. And so they're willing to take more chances. Um, I remember covering the event in 2014 where the Devils partnership with Party Poker was the first of its kind right. of a pro sports team affiliating with an online poker site and uh, meeting Party Poker CEO Norbert Tuffelberger. <laughs> well said. Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, the Devils years ago developed a contest on their website regarding who might score a goal for the upcoming game, uh, handing out prizes. I mean, they, they did as much as they could uh, legally, and that's what they did. So um, I, I've known their CEO, Scott O'Neill, for decades, and uh, he's very innovative, very smart. And uh, I think whatever uh, promotions they can come up with to draw attention and to sort of enhance fan experience, uh, they'll do. And a lot of NHL teams will do. Yeah, good for the NHL and these teams. Um, and if I'm a team in another market, you know, not Nevada, not New Jersey, 
I'm talking to my state government about getting a gambling bill moving. You know, there, there's no hockey team in, in Delaware or West Virginia or Mississippi, the other states where uh, sports betting is legal. There are two teams in Pennsylvania. They might be reaping the benefits of, of deals like this soon. But, you know, I wonder how much sway the pro sports teams in all sports hold over their local political representatives. Um, I think we might see some pressure applied as these deals keep making news. Uh, the Devils and Golden Knights shouldn't be the only teams managing to profit off this. Yeah, I mean, I've been amazed over the years that um, if a an important elected official is a big sports fan, the deals that sports franchises can get. Um, right. it's, a, it's a little scary because that's not exactly a good reason to uh, support <laughs> a bill or, or a subsidy or whatever it is. But, you know, then you see the press conference and they're all wearing the uh, the local team hats and they're excited to meet the team owner and maybe a couple of the players. And, and it's uh, not exactly uh, great governance, but um, it's reality in U.S. politics. Yep. All right. For our third and final story of the week, John, uh, I'm going to let you do most of the talking. Uh, you took a trip to Washington, D.C. for a conference last week where a panel spoke on the future of sports betting. And you came away with a lot of takeaways and you wrote about it on uh, usbets.com. But tying in with that, we have some news. Uh, A bill was introduced on Tuesday, the Sports Wagering Lottery Amendment Act of 2018, to legalize sports betting in D.C. Uh, So it's not Washington getting involved in sports betting laws in a federal sense, uh, but in a local sense, sports betting laws could be coming to Washington. I'm curious, was there any hint of that in the air at all at the conference last Friday? And aside from that, what were some of the highlights for you from the conference? Uh, yeah, I didn't hear any hints on the sports betting uh, at that event, but it was kind of a more of a national focus. But I'm not mm-hmm. terribly surprised. I think we're going to see this issue pop up out of the blue every couple of weeks. There'll be another state that we haven't heard much about on suddenly getting interested. Uh, certainly in the mid-October uh, announcement of what the revenues were for New Jersey for September football are going to be staggering, and I think that's going to ramp things up. But as far as this event, you know, I've probably been to a hundred of these sports business events over the last fifteen or twenty years, and usually there's just one panel or sometimes even just one panelist that really captures my imagination. But uh, this one was different, as I noted in that two-part series. Um, Sports betting wasn't even legal for the most part outside of Nevada until that Supreme Court ruling in May, and then suddenly it was. And we've got four states added in four months and more to come, and these two panels helped me kind of get that perspective on how it, it didn't have to be this way. You know, Most of the world already has sports betting, and all the U.S. interests could have held discussions years ago on how to implement it and, uh, and how, to just, how to just get it right. And instead, the leagues and the federal government dug in against it, even after New Jersey passed its own law in 2012, and the years went by, I covered throughout the years in court. And even after all that, while the status quo was getting upheld, the judges kept strongly hinting in the rulings that maybe something was rotten in the state of Denmark, uh, you know, if not New Jersey. Uh, and then a year ago, the court the court agreed to take the case, which signaled the beginning of the end. Um, clearly, uh, anybody who was really in the know on this knew a year ago that, or more than a year ago, that this was going to happen the way it did. But Congress sat back and didn't do anything. The leagues didn't make any compromises that I know of or any even offers that I know of. Um, so I can't blame New Jersey for getting its wish. They, they wanted something and then they got it fair and square. But I think it could have been handled better overall by a lot of the parties. Yeah, it was interesting in the articles, the way that you tracked the timeline on all of this. And uh, yeah, all the speakers are really pointing out how things could have could have and in some cases maybe should have uh, been different. 
in terms of getting us to this point. Um, one thing I agree with uh, with them on that you brought up in your piece uh, is that there needs to be more emphasis put on responsible gambling, on education about problem gamblers. Um, Long term for this industry to survive and thrive, we can't have people losing everything because they can place bets on their phones. I think all these sites need to have uh, stop loss options available and easy to access where when people first sign up, they can set a deposit limit for themselves and the site will lock them out once they've hit it. Uh, Like, you know, when I go to Vegas, before I get on that plane, I withdraw the exact amount of cash I'm willing to lose, you know, $300, $500, whatever it is, depending on how much my wife has been spending lately and how close (laughs) we're getting to my daughter's bat mitzvah. Um, But, uh, but you know, that's it. When that money's gone, uh, I don't play anymore while I'm out there. Maybe that's easier for me than it is for some, but I'd like to see every state legalizing gambling and every site taking bets, take that sort of thing seriously and encourage people only to bet what they can afford to lose. Um, So that's one place where I'm on the same page as the panelists. And I think that's something that seems to be getting left behind in the rush to to regulate. Yeah, I I agree with that. And I think obviously there are certain people that, you know, the the compulsion is so strong, unfortunately, and it's kind of tragic, but that even if they tried that on one site, once they ran out, they would just sign up for another site and and keep going. But I think that there's definitely a sweet spot there of people who might be a little bit uh, problematic, but if they set the limit and suddenly they reach it, it's, uh, you know, the 23rd of the month or whatever. And they're like, oh, geez, I didn't realize I was doing that poorly this month. They don't want me to bet anymore. They will stop. You know, not everybody will, unfortunately, but but there's definitely a, a segment there that um, could run into some trouble. But if you have that obvious, easy to implement stopgap, that then they will stop and then they can sort of relax a little bit. And frankly, their family members can relax a little bit to know that, OK, he's, if he has a good month, he, he can do as much as he wants. And, and we agree that, right, he can lose 200 a month or whatever it is, and it's not going to kill us, but it's not going to go any further. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that there's no reason why the industry shouldn't uh, embrace this. Ready to prove how smart you are and win some prizes? It's time for the Gamble On Trivia Question of the Week. Every week on the podcast, we ask a sports or gambling-related trivia question, and at the end of every month, we award a $25 Amazon gift card to one listener who has submitted a correct answer. All you have to do is tweet the correct answer to at US underscore bets, and make sure to include the hashtag GambleOn, and you'll be entered into the prize drawing. Last week, we asked... In Super Bowl 46, the rematch between the Patriots and Giants, a better named Jonah Recknitz turned $1,000 into $50,000 by making a long shot prop bet at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. We asked, what was the bet that returned 50 to 1? The answer? He bet that the first score of the game would be a safety, and indeed it was. Uh, Tom Brady got called for intentional grounding while backed up into his own end zone just over six minutes into the game. What's this week's trivia question, John? Well, first, I got to say, I want more than 50 to one for safety to be the first score. But <laughs> but OK, that's why they call them prop bets. Yep. Um, so, uh, Eric, this week, uh, I'm just ask which NFL team is responsible for the two biggest money line upsets in the league since 2003. They both happened in the same season. Remarkably, the same team scored the two major upsets in one season. So you have a one in 32 chance with a guess, even if you, you have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> so there, there we go, uh, everyone. Uh, if you know it, uh, send us the answer. If you don't. Hey, one in 32 shot. Take a guess. It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the Gamble On interview.
For this week's interview, we welcome an esteemed guest. Uh, Ray Lesniak served in the New Jersey State Senate for 35 years, from 1983 to 2018, and he was a major advocate dating back to 2008 for legalizing sports betting in New Jersey. It's been an eventful year on that front, and here to talk about it now is the former senator. Senator Lesniak, welcome to Gamble On. Well, nice to be here. I just want to say that it was I started before 2008. 2008 was when I filed my first lawsuit, but I had tried for over a year uh, before that to get our congressional representatives uh, to change the law, to uh, uh, repeal PAPSA so that New Jersey can have sports betting. I actually had testimony before the National Conference of State Legislators, their gaming committee, uh, because this is a big state's rights issue. I figured I could get support from them to contact their legislators uh, in, in, in Washington to get PAPSA repealed. And I couldn't even get one vote on the committee for repeal of PAPSA, even though the National Conference of State Legislators is a big states' rights organization. So, you know, it, I was real. I, I tried the, 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 um, the route to get the law changed, and I went up against nothing but a brick wall, and that's when I went to court. Okay. Um, so it, it took a, quite a while then, um, but eventually everything changed. Um, I'm just curious, how satisfying has it been for you the last few months as a civilian uh, watching legal, regulated sports betting come to New Jersey? Well, you know, I started this, uh, n- number one, because a friend of mine got busted uh, in placing a bet for himself and some friends uh, in a sting operation. Uh, when uh, And charges got dropped, but his name was in the paper. He was doing just placing a bet where he could have done it legally. Uh, well, not legally, but many people were betting on offshore Internet sites, gotten on a plane, gone to Las Vegas. Why couldn't we do that? So, uh, you know, that's what got me going on this quest. And I saw that the casino industry was dying in Atlantic city because of out of state competition for the day trippers. Our racing industry was dying because fans weren't uh, interested in racing anymore. I actually wrote a blog, how uh, comparing how uh, snowboarding saved the ski industry because I'm a skier and that was dying. So I said, you know, getting different fans into the racetracks in addition to providing money for enhanced purses, will help those industries. We're talking New Jersey lost over 10,000 jobs, probably closer to 20,000 jobs uh, 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 from the casino industry, and our racetracks were about to close. So that's what motivated me to, uh, to not only uh, start my own lawsuit, which I filed, but to be persistent until we finally uh, wound up with a big victory. And yes, it is very satisfying also to see that it's working so well. Mm. As you know, people were poo-pooing that even. First of all, they said I didn't have a chance legally, and it's not that big a deal. Other states will take away from it, but they they don't understand that it's a five hundred billion dollar, according to the FBI, on the ground industry, mm. both with organized crime and offshore. So there's plenty of action to go along around, and people like to be where the action is. Atlantic City's problem is they only had day trippers. The average stayer there was was 10 hours. 
But people for sports betting, they'll go for whole big weekends, weeks for Super Bowl and NCAA tournament. You can't get a room in uh, Las Vegas and Atlantic City is a ghost town. It's great to see line, people lined up now during the uh, NFL season uh, at our casinos and at our racetracks uh, uh, to have fun, uh, to keep that employment going, generate revenue for the state as well. It's, it's a great feeling. Uh, yeah, Senator, I just, I just want to ask, what's your uh, kind of your own background on gambling? Uh, I'll give you the free plug. I, I did see you uh, bet on France to win the World Cup, uh, one of the first bets made at Monmouth Park in June. And uh, actually, you, uh, it was the first. It was the first winning bet. Murphy, <laughs> Murphy cut cut in line. He, he, but he bet Germany, so I cashed the first winning bet. <laughs> yes, uh, Governor Phil Murphy is a former U.S. ambassador to Germany, so it's sort of understandable why he would pick that. Aside from them being a favorite. Well, and you know, let me get let me get my plug in. I won a human rights award uh, in uh, the Memorial de Caen, the Human Rights Museum in in Normandy, in France. So I had a little bit of affinity for for my choice as well. Yeah, very good. So, so some, tell us if it's something you enjoyed growing up. I, I think you said you used to play the ponies a little bit, or what kind of gambling uh, interested you? Uh, or did, interested yeah, you? more more than a little bit. My dad was a big horse player. Uh, we had a train. There was a train that went every Saturday to Monmouth Racetrack from Elizabeth. He would go on that train with forty dollars to bet. He would bet twenty dollars to win on a horse in a first race. Hook that up with a twenty dollar double. If that horse in the first race lost, he'd go back in the train and wait for everybody to go home. <laughs> but if that won, he would have a great time and a great party. So, yeah, we've uh, my my dad and I spent a lot of time uh, betting on the ponies and going up to Saratoga and Monmouth Racetrack. So it's a and I used to bet for take bets from for him to our lo- local grocery store uh, to bet on the horses. So yeah, I'm well ingrained in. Uh, in, in betting on the horses and, uh, and, you know, I see, I saw the enjoyment that people get from it and most, most importantly, the economic benefits that go along with it, that the state of New Jersey was being deprived of. Well, your dad taught you responsible gambling, uh, and all seriousness, that's, uh, that's a, that's a good thing for, for you and for everybody. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, but, but well, let me mention one thing in terms of you know, the anti-gambling people, and I understand those concerns and, you know, uh, some of this revenue needs to go for, for those programs. But but the most dangerous form of gambling is the lottery. Uh, you know, I live close a few houses down from low-income housing uh, uh, development, and right across the street from it is a convenience store. People go there lined up to buy lottery tickets that they can't afford either. So, um, you know, it's something that we have to look at on a, at a generic basis and provide opportunities and treatment, but we shouldn't deprive people who want to gamble responsibly the uh, opportunity to enjoy it. Well, you mentioned the the revenue uh, stream here in in the U.S. that had been going offshore. And uh, even though we now have legal betting operations here, there are still a lot of offshore operators who unfortunately get their odds mentioned in the press, uh, who still advertise here. Can something be done to crack down on offshore operators and, and limit the presence of these illegal betting options? Well, you know, the fe- you can't. The federal government tried, and it's just virtually impossible. But, you know, I also did sponsor Internet Gaming for, for New Jersey uh, residents, and that's, so that, and that's, a big, that's going to be a bigger part of the revenue stream for the state and for the casinos and racetracks and actually in in place gambling. So we're doing the best I can and we can and we're gonna make a 
big, big dent. And there's no reason why people need to go offshore on the on the internet anymore in the state of New Jersey. Uh, so, and there's no reason for them to go to uh, their local bookie unless the the guy gives you credit. But I've had to chase. I'm sorry, we've had to chase down bookies when we hit big uh, as well. My dad and I. So uh, basically, we're gonna we're gonna be put them for the most part out of business. Right. So, so it's largely about ease of use. Once the the opportunity to to bet is in everybody's hand, and it, and it is in New Jersey. But when it's when it's that easy, that's the key to getting people to stop doing it Ill- illegally. You're saying, for sure, number one and number two, if people have a choice between doing something legally and making an illegal bet, they're going to choose the legal. Right. I mean, yeah. for sure. Okay. All right. Yep. Yes, yeah, Senator. I, you know, uh, I know you spent a lot of years helping pass bills. Uh, you know, I, I covered them, of course, uh, to aid the New Jersey horse racing industry and Atlantic City casinos, as you noted, have been in distress for the last ten years. Um, but you know, now that sports betting's aboard too, I mean, and I know you're out of legislature, but is, is this legislature's role in that uh, in that aid and effort is it completed, or is there a lot left you think for them to do? Um, you know what? I think that, well, first with regard to the casinos, I think the sports betting is going to turn it around and do the job. Uh, what is the real question is though, is the government, and, and that was your question, both the state government and the local government going to use these additional revenues, these additional opportunities to, uh, transform the, the image of Atlantic city, uh, for a, a broader, um, uh, broader, broader fo- attraction. You know, resorts is doing this very well. They have Margaritaville, for instance, um, going on. So uh, cleaning up the city is going to be something that's very, very important to do. Primarily, that's a local government responsibility, but the state's going to have to uh, give them guidance uh, as, as, as well. By the way, we're, we're going we're to have to give a bridge for Mammoth Racetrack uh, uh, and, and, and the Meadowlands until these... Uh, Sports betting revenues uh, really, really kick in, and there are for enhanced purposes. The future of horse racing, by the way, is in these elite meets. You know, the Haskell is 30,000, 50,000 people because you have the big, uh, and, and that's what attracts fans. So, and the only way to get that is to uh, have enhanced purses uh, with the additional revenues from sports betting. They're going to be able to get that. I think there's going to, there's legislation pending now to give them some additional revenues to carry them. Uh, forward until uh, they become viable uh, on their own. Right. All right. Very interesting stuff. It has been a, a pleasure. Hey, yeah. You're, me, you're not. You're not ready to go one. yet, huh? No, I'm not. Because <laughs> I want to mention one other thing. Sure. <laughs> People forget, just as I just forgot, the importance of horse racing in New Jersey. We have, and and as an industry, we have more acres of horse farms in New Jersey than any other state in the nation. Isn't that amazing? You wouldn't know that. So, um, but you go to Salem and Ocean and Monmouth County, acres upon acres, hundreds, thousands of acres of horse farms, that's preserved land. And that's another added uh, importance of the horse racing industry. All right. Um, well, uh, thanks so much for, for joining us, uh, Senator Lesniak. And on behalf of all of us uh, cashing paychecks in the gaming industry, uh, thanks for the work that, that you did over the years uh, in New Jersey. All right. Fantastic. Appreciate talking to you guys. Be well. Thanks, Senator. Two men. $10,000. Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the Gamble On bankroll.
right, we'll get to the Fast Five in a few minutes, uh, but we start, as usual, with our shared bankroll, and uh, we had a good week, our best week yet, in fact, uh, and I'm going to go ahead and uh, take the bulk of the credit for this one. Uh, I don't know if you can hear that sound, John, but that's me patting myself on the back while we podcast. Uh, You you broke about even. You won uh, $180 betting on Adam Small's alma mater, Vanderbilt, to cover against Notre Dame, uh, and they sure did keep it close, Uh, but you lost $200 betting on the Redskins to cover against the Colts, so a $20 loss overall there. Um, But we got uh, a handsome win with my boxing bets. Uh, I bet $50 a piece on three outcomes in the Canelo Triple G fight. Uh, Canelo by majority decision at 14 to 1, Canelo by split decision at 8.5 to 1, and Golovkin by knockout in rounds 10 through 12 at 11 to 1, and Canelo got the majority decision. So all in all, those bets turned $150 into $750, and that means overall we've just about climbed out of the hole. We're down just $40 from where we started. Uh, We also still have $1,470 on hold in futures bets, so that leaves us $8,490 to gamble with entering this week. Uh, I'm feeling good. Uh, Maybe I should put the whole uh, fictional bankroll on one long-shot underdog and we can fictional retire to Bora Bora. What do you think? I I was sure you were going to mention my red-hot Milwaukee Brewers uh, to win the World Series bet from uh, back in late August. Uh, they're, They're peaking at the right time. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. That uh, that futures bet is looking good. My futures bet on the Washington Nationals. I think we can probably uh, chalk it up as a loss already, but officially it's still uh, on hold. But yeah, the Brewers are definitely making the playoffs and uh, looking looking good. Maybe they can even win the division and uh, and not have to play that one game uh, one game wild card game. We'll see. Uh, I'd like that. <laughs> yep. Uh, all right. So uh, for my first bet this week, uh, I'm going to bet on an NFL point total, uh, the highest total of the week is 49ers at Chiefs. The line is 56. I say it's not high enough. These are extremely high-octane offenses, especially Kansas City's, uh, and shaky defenses. I'm going to bet $110 to win 100 that it goes over. And uh, like you say, John, uh, you're never out of it if you bet the over, so this will be a fun one to sweat, even if it loses. Uh, I just noticed this morning they were mentioning a the most memorable Jets-Browns game was a, a double overtime playoff game. I think it was 1986. And uh, let's just say I recall that game having the under 41 and a half, and it's 2020 in overtime. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, that's not promising. Maybe some sort of act of God. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, no, eventually. And it took two overtimes uh, to, wow. finish, to finish off that to, loss. To but prolong I, I, the torture. Yeah. It was it was brutal. But uh, meanwhile, I'm going to stick with college football this week after my uh, Vanderbilt nearly pulled off the opposite entirely. Forget the 14 and a half points. I didn't need them hardly. Uh, so first, let's go for uh, Texas A&M with 26 and a half points over Alabama. You know, getting ahead of a trend can be really profitable. And I'm just not 100 percent sold on this incarnation of Alabama. Uh, every year, there's this belief that they they're better than the year before. And sometimes they are. But uh, I'll go 110 to win 100 on uh, Texas A&M with 26 and a half. All right. Uh, for my next bet, I'm going to try a little three-team NFL parlay. I'm taking three home favorites, uh, so I don't I don't have to worry about point spreads. I just need these three favored home teams to win. Uh, I'm taking the Chiefs over the 49ers, the Texans over the Giants, and the Seahawks over the Cowboys. If all three win, it pays plus 248 on FanDuel's mobile site. So I'm risking 200 to win 496. Uh, and by the way, it's uh, it's only plus 247 on Play Sugar House. Uh, so, so that's some value hunting right there. Got the extra dollar. 
Very nice. Never hurts to check. Uh, to, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm not a fan of parlays, so if you get two out of three, I'll say I told you so next yep, week. Yeah, yep. <laughs> I've got uh, one more. I'm going to stick with the SEC, and, and you might say the converse, really, of the first bet. Uh, I love this Georgia talent. I wonder if this is the year that they finally get over the top. Uh, it's a little scary to say that because uh, uh, I know a George, Georgia alumnus and, and uh, how much he has suffered, and it's hard for them to believe. But uh, I think this is a chance to win kind of a statement game against a popular hunch team. Uh, so uh, I like uh, Georgia minus 14 at Missouri, another 110 to win 100. Okay. And we wrap up with the fast five. Uh, after week one, I was four and one. You were three and two. Week two was a doozy. The consensus picks in the super contest in Las Vegas, which means the five most popular picks went 0 and 5. Uh, so maybe I shouldn't feel too terrible about the fact that I went 1 and 4, bringing my overall record through two weeks to 5 and 5. And meanwhile, you should feel pretty darn good about going 3 and 2 in week 2. Uh, so you're in the lead now uh, with an overall record of 6 and 4. And I'm up first this week with my fast 5. Uh, first, I'm taking Minnesota at minus 16 and a half points. Uh, hosting the Bills. Uh, I did a little research here. There have been three times since 2003 that there's been a spread of 16.5 or greater, and all three times the favorite covered. Uh, This is risky, of course. Who knows if the Vikings are going to run up the score or get comfortable uh, with a big lead and not want to pad it, but the Bills are just such a mess uh, that I'm not even worried about them sneaking out a late backdoor cover. So I'm taking Minnesota as my first team. Second one, I'm taking Green Bay, minus 2.5 at Washington. This is just me believing in Aaron Rodgers. Uh, He looks reasonably healthy. He only needs uh, to win by a field goal goal against a mediocre team. I like it. Uh, I'm also taking Cincinnati plus three at Carolina. The Panthers have injury problems. They have the bye week coming up next week, so they might get healthier after that. But for now, the Bengals are just a better team, I think, and they happen to win exactly 34 to 23 every week. Uh, So that's my prediction here. Uh, But I don't need them to win by 11. I just need them to not lose by three or more. Uh, I'm also taking the Patriots minus seven at Detroit. You think Bill Belichick isn't motivated to show that Matt Patricia stinks? Uh, He will run up the score if he can, especially coming off a loss. Uh, I'm not worried about giving a touchdown here with the Pats. And my final pick, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, plus three against Pittsburgh. Uh, I'm not sure I'm totally sold on Fitzmagic and the Bucs yet, but I'm definitely sold on the Steelers being in disarray and being a worse team on the road than at home. I'm almost surprised they're favored here. I will gladly take those three points. All right, Eric, uh, we're going to have one head-to-head again. I'm I'm one and zero in the head-to-heads. I, yep. I think you should mention, but uh, <laughs> let's start out with uh, Falcons minus three versus Saints. Um, the spread is is multiple points different if the Browns didn't miss two field goals and two extra points last week. Um, so that's just ineptitude uh, on their part and bad karma, whatever it is. But that's not the Saints. So uh, Falcons minus three just seems like a great value. Um, Texas minus three and a half against the Giants. You kind of alluded to that. It's a must-win for the Giants, so that can make for a scary pick sometimes, but I, I don't think this team has the goods. And I, I don't think they bought in a new coach, Pat Shermer. I, I just, uh, the vibe, uh, frankly, in this market is terrible. So I don't mind giving three and a half. Um, the Bills I'm taking, plus 16.5 hmm. versus the Vikings. Uh, we're going head to head there. Yep. Uh, more than a two TD favorite in the NFL is really saying something. Uh, you mentioned a stat that sometimes they've covered, but uh, you know, in this case, the Minnesota defense is absolutely elite, of course, but I'm not sure the offense is, is uh 
is is definitely enough to handle this number. And uh, as I say, for whatever reason, I don't know what the Bills were doing in the second half last week, but they actually uh, uh, pretty much pitched a shutout on the Chargers. And uh, uh, so there's some fight left in them. So it uh, might be a backdoor cover, but it can be a cover anyway. Yep. And uh, fourth, I'll, I'll try the Chiefs minus five against the 49ers. Uh, you know, a white knuckler win over the Lions by the 49ers is, doesn't, doesn't particularly impress me. Uh, Pat Mahomes, he's the son of a former Mets pitcher, by the way. Um, hmm. He's overhyped, I'll admit it but he's solid he's good and the chiefs are loaded so uh i can see going against them at some point if the if the hype machine gets too high but minus five against the 49ers is okay and finally uh raiders with four and a half at the dolphins you know one of my long-standing rules of thumb is uh, when a mediocre franchise can easily afford to lose a game and still be content they do just that the dolphins lose they'll be two and one they'll be more than satisfied it's just it's not that they don't try it's just that extra oomph isn't there because it, it's just uncharted territory to even think about being three and oh so uh dolphins aren't hungry enough for that and the raiders are coming off an impossible loss to the broncos last week absolutely brutal although they covered for me by the way thanks for right. that <laughs> but uh so desperate versus complacent uh, works for me in, in this case well i hope you get that last one right because uh my under six and a half wins for the Dolphins is looking a little iffy right now. I was not expecting them to start two and zero. If they start three and zero, I'm really in trouble. So, uh, so I'm pulling for uh, for the Raiders to not just cover but but win that game. Well, I can mention that uh, I have the Browns over five and a half. Um, right. They pretty much have two wins, but they don't. Uh, <laughs> right. I expect them to fully expect them to finish five, ten, and one. Five and a half does not pay. <laughs> yep. Only in the only in the winning percentage doesn't help you in, in the Vegas <laughs> or New Jersey. <laughs> yep. Uh Gambling isn't easy, John. That's one thing we're learning. Uh, even though our bankroll has has surged a little and we're only a little bit behind, it's not easy to make money at this. But we'll, we'll darn sure keep trying. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of Gamble On. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin, and you can find John at Bergen Brennan, and follow U.S. Bets at U.S. underscore Bets. Check out usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling, and subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud or on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. John, please take us out. Well, I can't believe we're going to pay for this. We're having an awfully good time to be getting paid. But, uh, <laughs> yep. so until next time, uh, everybody gamble on. <laughs>